I think sales was natural to me. Never in my last 10 to 15 years of my life I've ever missed a target. I think that's the trick where you're able to translate something into dollars. Comfort zone is where all the anomaly lies. That comfort zone also in some way okay, dilutes your personal branding uh, as an individual. Uh, analytics is all about what you make out of the past that can tell the future. Hey, you are listening to Dream 100 Business Show podcast with Savita Husamani. Our mission at Dream 100 Business Show is to help business owners move to the next level in their personal growth and business growth brand journey. In this episode, we talk to Mr. Sanjay Rao, who is the founder of Axion Connect Info Solutions Private Limited. Now let's get to the story of the person behind the brand. Sanjay Rao built a thriving business brand, Axion Connect Info Solutions, without any prior experience, guidance or capital in business. I was also extremely curious to know how he did it. He says he had a natural flair for selling which started during his high school days when he used to sell books and flip miniature model cars for cash. How's that? He always dreamt of creating employment but had to start off with being an employee. He quit his job with no plans for the future. That too, when he was doing extremely well in his corporate career. So let's hear it out from him, how he rose from that path of zero to hero in entrepreneurship right here, right now on Dream 100 Business Show. So let's get started. Welcome to Dream 100 Business Show, Mr. Sanjay. It's truly an honor and pleasure to have you here on our show. Same here, Savita. Thank you for inviting me. So awesome. So usually, how do your friends uh, describe you as a person? I think my friends like to have me around. A lot of people have different definitions. Certainly, they definitely look out for me if they need any help, especially with respect to any of their work and businesses. And of course, as a friend, I always believe that you have to stand by people irrespective of uh, the, the situations and what challenges pose to you. So therefore, uh, they would like to kind of hang around with me. And uh, of course, I do kind of a little bit party and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a lot of friends, but very few, but uh, they're very, very close. Awesome. So do they have any nicknames for you? I go more by the name uh, Sanju, my very common name outside my professional environment. And mm-hmm. sometimes I'm called Baba also because oh. I, I do, you know, a bit of a lot of gyan building and uh, you know, <laughs> for philosophy sometimes, you know, th- therefore, uh, yeah, these are two mm-hmm. popular names that I go by. Mm-hmm. So nowhere connected to uh, Sanju Baba of Bollywood. <laughs> no, not really. I, I think uh, the philosophy is the same, but Sanju is more from the family side and a lot of people call me Baba from my childhood days and from my personal uh, setup. These names really happened much earlier to the movie. Okay, uh, awesome. It was just to gain an insight of the um, other uh, side of you. So like, uh, as you said, you came down to Bangalore and you had your uh, education here. And then you after your education, you uh, started off uh, in a corporate environment. That's right. 
Yeah. So once uh, you entered into the corporate environment, how did that build you as a person, like your values and uh, you are shaping up as a personality? Can you give some insights about it? Right. Because I had my own share of those ups and downs from adapting to you know academic life to a corporate life. Again, that was a fair bit of learning for me. I got into a background where it was a non-technical role. Uh, my role was very much customer oriented. Um, in fact, uh, if if I can recollect, uh, my first work with Trico was uh, to be as a service engineer, and I was trained to go and you know service uh, photocopier machines. Uh, that was my first uh, job and this required a lot of different type of skill set to be able to do that the subsequent roles also i took up in corporate were more of uh, business operations and sales sales oriented uh, and service oriented so therefore it took a little while to kind of have that that professional polish that is required uh, in every day every activity that you do it took a little while but i think i eventually kind of settled down uh, for me that was a hop between the non corporate to corporate okay when you say that you were chosen as a service engineer and then slowly you were moved to sales also uh, usually technical persons don't fit very well with that idea of going into sales and marketing so did you have any personal inhibitions while taking up sales i think sales was natural to me i think that is one thing i thank god even till date i think that is something mm-hmm. which i didn't really have to try too hard one thing uh, i would say of course uh, my ex employers would not be happy hearing this but mm-hmm. uh, whenever i used to go for service i used to end up selling something new to them to end up selling a new machine or a new version or a new hardware or something like that and i was really poor at service <laughs> so <laughs> most of my service ratings were very bad and the machine used to break down very frequently wherever i used to go but then eventually i started selling more so that kind of clicked in me and said you know hey i think i'm not really built for service this is something i know better i'm good at interpersonal skills communication and i kind of have a tendency to have a good rapport with people so i think that was working in our favor and since i'm kind of not zero technical but at least i can articulate technology it kind of helped me to kind of position things in a way that even a common man would understand so i think the trick was if you can translate something which is very very difficult or complex or not easy to understand in very layman terms to somebody who can really follow you I think that's a trick where you're able to translate something into dollars. So therefore, I think that part kind of came very natural to me, and then therefore, even our teams were happy to move us there, and I took up that uh, that role uh, post my service. Wow! Usually, what we hear is that the best sales guys are the ones who are good at entrepreneurship. I think every entrepreneur has to be knowing sales. but not necessarily that every sales person can be an entrepreneur but i think as when you move transition from sales to entrepreneurship the entrepreneur journey is far more different from uh, just a transaction the entrepreneur journey uh, is encompassing a larger vision more in terms of identifying a certain business opportunity or taking the risk to be able to build certain products and service to be able to service that particular segment Uh, to be able to monetize that over a period of time to be able to sustain the business over a period of time identifying the right process and policies and pricing structure to be able to build that business to be able to sell the value proposition to the client from a sales perspective and also deliver it uh, simultaneously at the same time you also look at certain 
aspects of social impact to the society in terms of employment creation in terms of uh, generating taxes to, for the government and you know creating exports in terms of bringing in dollar to the country so there are various different impacts an entrepreneur uh, sees uh, you know beyond sales uh, so therefore like i said uh, every entrepreneur has to be sales driven but not necessarily every sales guy can be an entrepreneur wow well said so here when you made a decision was the decision easy for you because you were in a comfortable environment you were doing very well and it was like second nature to you what actually triggered you to move from that comfort zone to a productive zone or a creative zone but a non revenue generating zone so business and entrepreneurship is one area where you don't get that kind of luxurious corporate cushioned environment the luxury of a salary uh, every month here the struggle is different so what triggered you to make that decision you're right uh, i think the comfort zone is where all the anomaly lies because i think once you are in that comfort zone you start taking things for granted okay and and eventually what happens is over a period of time and in my personal experience that comfort zone also in some way okay dilutes your personal branding Uh, as an individual and i think that is a learning uh, you know when i was transitioning uh, from work to an entrepreneur journey i say this because when you're associated with a certain ex organization and when you're going out and meeting customers uh, you're representing someone right you're mm-hmm. representing a set of services you're representing a culture you're representing an mnc their setup and their set of values and their r&d effort and stuff like that and therefore a lot of people identify you with with those values which are not necessarily what your values could be and what your individual views could be or what your individual thoughts are you know it's just a job but then when you kind of step out of that zone you realize you know it's it's very very different and i think uh, why people buy is not because uh, you were selling them it is because you were selling something that they liked so these are two very different things and and for me it was not natural i mean uh, i was a little bit of a rebellion in my uh, corporate days and uh, and of course i was a very very successful sales person and uh, never in my last 10 to 15 years of my life i've ever missed a target and i think in any organization i've worked for i think i've always qualified for the president's club i have traveled to many countries more than 10 to 15 countries as a part of those uh, award functions I always met and exceeded my targets so therefore you get a sense of achievement and fulfillment uh, but at the same time uh, it also kind of creates challenges for you within the corporate structure and not necessarily uh, everybody who is extremely productive or extremely valuable to the organization uh, can stick around for too long and there are different challenges that play around in in the corporate world and i think that is something which uh i did not take well and I, you can say that i was not mature enough to kind of deal with some of these uh, corporate nonsense and and therefore uh, i had to quit uh, but then it was not i quit because i had something plan b or plan c i mean i just did it because i didn't feel like it was not right for me to be there at that point in time and and therefore i quit mm-hmm. so it was more of heart oriented than head oriented it was absolutely heart oriented of course when i when i quit i didn't have any other job and i did not have any entrepreneur plans i did not have any backup uh, with me and i think it was a heat of the moment uh, sometimes uh, i feel it happened for the right thing if i look at it mm-hmm. now 
but certainly at that time it was very tough and difficult to deal with situation and yes it was a hard driven decision i just came out having nothing in hand uh, that's that's typically how i exited the corporate world so then now how did you build the business the initial challenge of how you identify yourself with with these things then that's where your actual journey starts i think more than looking at you know entrepreneur journey and stuff i think it is it is important to kind of reevaluate your situation where you are and especially when people are moving from corporate world to entrepreneurship or any journey for that matter uh, a very strong introspection is required in terms of who you are what is as an individual what do you want what do you want to achieve you know what your real skills are and i think that's where uh, you know you have to kind of uh, strip yourself to the bare minimum to the bare metal to the last thread to see who you are as an individual and what you really can do and what you really capable of and are you prepared for that journey and those are the questions you ask yourself before you start doing something new and that's when you realize that i have been living in some fancy world and i think this is a real life and when you go out and start meeting people that kind of amplifies more saying uh, it's it's not good enough and i think that part of me took about 4 to 6 months to settle down and then eventually of course i had a whole set of uh, people i knew because i was in the corporate world for so long and i think a few of them helped me kind of consuming some sort of service from me uh, and then i started providing some kind of a resource some kind of a small service that way and then that's where it kind of started off uh, with the entrepreneur stuff but generally that was a period where you, you know it was more of your in, in, introspection and individual course correction so that is where the vision was also formed yes and i think somewhere i felt if if having put you know 20 years of your corporate life and when you come out and people do not identify you as you as an individual you know what have you earned and and that's a very big question i had and i think that's when i decided uh, that we should for me it was it was purely driven by i will build an organization which will clearly articulate my value my philosophy the way i wanted to do things you know when people walk into office i want them to be happy give them a happy environment mm-hmm. uh, give them a culture which is more inclusive look at management style which is more distributed and democratic uh, than more of imperialistic and more of you know self driven so a lot of different things i had in mind and as an individual uh, a lot of the thoughts that i had as as a part of this uh, shift you know i wanted to kind of imbibe that into a culture and build an organization that really would reflect those values and i think that kind of uh, gave me the motivation to have a vision for an organization where uh, irrespective of size turnover bottom line build an organization that people would be happy to be associated with happy to come to office you know feel safe uh, and uh, and of course if you're happy you generally of, also contribute more you you be more productive i think that's kind of the offshoot of what my vision and philosophy of the company uh, took place at that time and i think until now i've been kind of constantly trying to ensure that doesn't change wow so how much freedom do you give uh, your uh, team members to fail i think that's the most important question i think that's the most critical aspect of team building and imbibing trust with your team but eventually i think end of the day the fear of failure is what makes human more averse towards taking risk or averse towards doing something new 
or innovative and and, and generally don't want to kill that uh, so therefore for us in our organization you can do pretty much any mistake as long as you acknowledge yes that mistake happened and we always help you help you rectify that but again yes that freedom is there full time for them to go and uh, you know try and do something and if that doesn't work out it's okay it's fine we can try something else and i think that ability gives them to be innovative and do few different things at few different point in time so what has been the biggest learning for you in this entire process well there are many to name a few for me i think human capital is very very critical uh, how you work with them how you deal with them what kind of people you hire and what kind of people you train and uh, keep them is very very important and i think that goes beyond saying has been set through ages you know you're always uh, known by the people that you're surrounded with and i think mm-hmm. that's what's good today i might be an entrepreneur i can do things alone but still it's impossible to do without a team and i think if that team is not uh, good or well equipped or uh, does not have or does not share the same value or philosophy then then you will find cracks at some point in time so therefore uh, for us uh, my learning is human touch points and human involvement as a human is also equally important as being involved uh, as a part of your looking at it as just a job or a project or something like that i think that that aspect of engagement with uh, human capital or employees or uh, you know you may call it uh, that way so that engagement is very critical and i think uh, that that should sustain and and that's one learning where i've realized that what may come you know we always tell our managers and downstream to ensure that even sometimes if required go beyond a per- professional realm to help them out personally too because uh, if they're not personally happy if they're not personally in, in a place situation uh, that that helps them to contribute more you know what's the point uh, somebody's close person is not feeling well or somebody needs some monetary assistance somebody needs a hybrid work environment till such time they settle at home a lot of different things that make it far more easier for employees to to deal with uh, and to balance out some of the home and work aspect Uh, we are very very flexible and sensitive that way so i think that is one of the first learning i've gained out of this whole journey with the second is always own your customer we are in a ecosystem and situation today where we have so many different partnerships and leverages and you know we have teams and then we have a customer service team and then there is a hr team and then there is employee there are project managers uh, so many different touch points unless you are personally connected to the customer in a certain way they identify you not just as a company but also as a set of individuals uh, who are associated with them for their success i think that goes a long way in in helping and sustaining a very healthy uh, business in terms of revenue and uh, so always own your customer you know never uh, let just one touch point be there and then you finish a delivery and you're gone or uh, you just show up and there's an escalation no i mean it has to be a continuous process uh, and i think that's very critical uh, aspect that i've learned you know to also show up when you're not required is the most important thing too you know when you're in this journey i think the third most important uh, lesson i've learned is the financial discipline there is no bigger discipline that can get you through uh, if you, if you do not know how to manage your finances i think whether whoever an entrepreneur he is i mean as long as 
he is um, he has handle on his expenses and uh, sales and and knows a bit of finance i think uh, that goes a long way in uh, paying off uh, in terms of your company's profitability bottom line and stuff so so i think these are three things human capital which is more internal oriented how you you know it's like your health of a body mm-hmm. you know how you take care of your how you take care of yourself you know is is a what a company to you and then how you interact with people is the client you know basically how you interact uh, and how you keep them and and what what kind of effort you're putting to ensure that they meet their goals uh, for what they've hired us to do is, is the second and the third is the raw material required to make these two transactions happen which is the cash and the money i think if these three fundamental blocks are in the right place uh, i think uh, you will is very very little chance that you will fail wow huge insights <laughs> let's uh, take up a hypothetical business which is uh, running and this business has been in existence let's say for the past 20 or 25 years and they have a huge database uh, ranging from uh, uh, 3000 plus to 10000 plus customers because uh, like as you said uh, returning customers might not be the same sometimes it might be just a one time customer but in their huge database they will have that as a customer uh, noted down so when they have around 10000 customers how should they analyze that data and how can you uh, people help them so that they can increase their uh, business revenue in the forthcoming years is there any insight on that yes if an organization of that size i am assuming that it will have certainly the four fundamental building blocks in terms of business process one is which is your sales operations and sales mm. the second one being hr Uh, mm. human resource and human capital mm. the third being finance which is compliance and finance mm. and the fourth being uh, you know your inventory management and your supply chain okay mm. now if you're able to uh, and and we need to look into uh, what kind of automation they have done so far so obviously a, a client of this size uh, i'm assuming mm. will have certain software or a crm or some mm-hmm. kind of a enterprise resource planning or a solution that will help them organize these things in a certain way but i think analytics goes beyond what you store and retrieve uh, analytics is all about what you make out of the past that can tell the future okay mm-hmm. so in that aspect um, a lot of uh, services we have done looks at what are the different patterns in data for the last historical 3 4 years or 10 years you know mm-hmm. that's typically how we do uh, we work with banks so typically our expertise today one of our core expertise is managing risk for credit for a financial institution mm-hmm. where where we go in and we look at uh, millions of records and identify certain patterns in data that can tell how a certain individual or a profile Uh, will behave in the near term of 6 to 12 months whether it's in terms of marketing whether will he pay an emi or what kind of account management behavior he might have so it's very difficult to kind of track individuals when you become a certain scale and size so therefore you have to translate them into certain type of profiles we would call it an analytics mm-hmm. and these profiles have certain behavior that they exhibit from their past uh, patterns and you should look at what kind of profile of customers or segment of industry that you're going after 
as your vision in the next three, four years and see what kind of shift is there. You know, for example, you might be addressing a certain urban population as a part of your old business. Mm. But then with the internet penetration into rural, you might think now it's time that I also start diversifying into the rural segment. Mm. Obviously, if you see business-wise, the profile of data that you've had in the past is very different from the profile of data that you're going to have in the future. But then data talks. There could mm. be certain profiles that will give you insights of what could be done better to capitalize on those uh, segments for the rural or anything per se as such. So therefore, apart from storing data, the patterns will tell you what kind of behavior you've had in the past to a level where you can identify to a customer, you can say, this customer is a 10-year-old customer. Uh, this customer belongs to this particular industry. The total revenue from this customer for the last 10 years was 1.5 crores. It was a frequency of purchase. This was the pattern of purchase. Uh, these were the seasons in which he purchased more. Uh, these were the seasons where he did not purchase more. These are the times where he paid on time. These are the months he did not pay on time. Wow. So these, these very minute data patterns will mm-hmm. tell you about a customer. So let's say this customer that I just gave an example is, mm-hmm. is profile A. Mm-hmm. And another customer profile B, he gives you a business of one crore, which is less than the profile A. Mm-hmm. But he has been consistently paying on time. He has been consistently buying the same product with you uh, with you on a certain interval, which is very predictable. He comes from a background from an industry, which is core industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are so many different smaller attributes. So how would you define which profile is better, profile A or profile B? Obviously, mm-hmm. when you look at it uh, from a pivot on an Excel sheet, you feel, oh, customer A is good. He mm-hmm. has um, uh, done more business with us. In our terms, we call it a score. Uh, mm-hmm. customer score in analytics so we give him a score of uh, let's say um, 0.5 out of 1 okay and mm-hmm. then there's customer profile b uh, who has done lesser business he is uh, more profitable you know because he's paying mm-hmm. you on time and cash is king so if you get if you, you get paid on time if the customer is paying mm-hmm. you on time obviously he has to be given better weightage and his score is 0.6 versus 1 Wow. So that is the kind of scoring we do. That's the kind of pattern recognition we do to tell, to identify one profile versus another. Because there are so many different customers and so many of them are doing business and everybody is doing good business. But mm-hmm. how do you identify which profile is what? So when mm-hmm. you know the profile B is a good profile, then when you plan your business strategy for the next three years, you go after a profile B. Then you look at your product, your customer mix. You know, out of my 10,000 customers, how many customers are of profile B? How many customers are of profile A? How many customers are of profile C? This is called the the risk mix, you know, mm-hmm. where you see how your risk is distributed across your customer ecosystem. And then when you analyze and go deeper, you get a lot of different insights. You know, I'm just giving a very, very hypothetical mm-hmm. example. You know, our analysis go far more deeper into mm. to even identifying, you know, is he married? You know, what pin code does he live in? Is that pin code in a good area or not? Mm-hmm. You know, we go to that level of macro to identify a profile of an individual. Yeah. And I think these insights uh, will help business to kind of uh, to understand how to minimize the the riskier ones, walk away from those customers or minimize the, the mix of those contribution in your 
uh, in your uh, ecosystem and then how to acquire this profile b type of customers and also look at ideal profiles c which could be a very very ideal profile you know go after them and you you create campaigns to specifically target those people you create policies and process and products to go and attract those people so those kind of things happen you know for example when a bank launches a credit card you would have seen you know this is a travel card you would have seen this is a hospitality card or you will see this is a big basket or a grocery card so why do they do that right i mean you might think uh, you know what's the point credit card is a credit card debit card is mm. a debit card how does it matter no it it does matter a lot because when you look at the profile and and somebody who's a very frequent traveler uh, he has a tendency to use that card more and and the more you use the card the more business uh, the bank gets the individual also gets uh, that benefit of a lounge or uh, access and stuff like that and therefore these do exist a lot of uh, mid size to small size companies uh, can explore analytics they can start with a very small journey of using data to look at their historical past uh, build some ratios uh, a lot of cas today are becoming analytical savvy uh, wow. a lot of cas will help you to build those ratios and benchmark that with industry standards and then uh, eventually you can start doing some predictive analytics as you go forward i, I think uh, a lot of tools are available now uh, open source tools are available for you to do them a lot of platforms Uh, on the cloud like azure and aws provide those uh, infrastructure for you to uh, do those analytics and i think uh, the cost to do analytics what was there 10 years back has gone down by at least you know 10x it is far more affordable today uh, to do analytics since i've been in analytics for last 20 years i always encourage people to at least adopt in some way or the other you know even if it's an excel sheet you sit down mm-hmm. once in a month you look at your balance sheet from an excel perspective from your business standpoint and then uh, you seek some help from service providers to kind of uh, see how that can be further uh, enriched to you know give you insights i would highly recommend them to especially the mid size and the smaller size companies who may not have thought of doing this because they might have thought it's analytics is too big it's too complex exactly. well that's not the case well that's not really the case anymore yeah because as you were describing well i could uh, actually see that it can help lot of businesses because businesses don't know to which customer segment they have to target because they feel that b2b i'm earning revenue but profitability might be less b2c they might be earning uh, less revenue but their profitability is high so i was just thinking on those lines maybe every business should actually use this to see how they can progress in the direction of their growth this is really amazing and now i just want to understand if businesses because i see even traditional businesses who have been in existence for 25 to 30 years if they are not using this data to what extent is their growth getting uh, hampered just uh, you can just give me an idea about it i, I think i really cannot answer the question directly my answer and re- response to that would be if you're not able to see what's coming your way if you do not understand the change in buying patterns of your customer the change in the customer's ecosystem if you don't see those early in its life cycle if you don't identify those bottlenecks or i would say changes then you're at a big risk of losing the the leadership position you, i mean it's, it's just a matter of time that somebody else will come and uh, just build something uh, which is more relevant and at a cheaper cost and then you're out in a frenzy that's my response 
Yeah, I think that answer is very, very relevant as we have seen in many cases. So having your wife also in the same business. So how do you manage the relationship personally and professionally? From a relationship standpoint, what happens is we have very clear, very thick-walled bifurcations in terms of our activities. Mine is completely business, sales, finance and customer oriented. She supports me with a, a set of vendors, both employees as well as outsourced vendors who support on the PNL, the compliance, ensuring your taxes are paid on time, your mm-hmm. filing done on time, your statutory mm-hmm. dues are uh, being taken care of. You know, we, these are completely two separate areas where there is no conflict. We do have a lot of discussion in terms of business decisions that we make and the investments that we make. Mm. But that once it's decided and it's implemented, we don't question that. We don't open that box again. I mean, what's done is done. And if it's a crime, it's a crime. Okay, it happened, happened. It's, mm. a, good thing, it's a good thing. Mm. We don't go back and we don't dig uh, old corpses and, uh, you know, you know, hey, I told you that, I told you this, whatever it is. I think I think once, once we take a call and uh, put it in action, I think that's rolled out. Whatever results it gives, it's it's fine. We just deal with it. What has been your biggest compliment from your uh, clients? One thing I've certainly heard, you know, Sanjay, we do this because of you, because we know you will deliver, no matter what. <laughs> and wow. I think I've, I've delivered a lot. And of course, I deliver because of my team, you know. I mean, I take that compliment not just for me, but also for, for my team, because I'm not an mm. individual. When I make a commitment, you know, there are team who work with me to help me deliver it's it's a collective uh, compliment wow so what would be your message to um, upcoming and aspiring business people i've been there so i can tell you there's always a conflict of heart and mind (laughs) but in the initial phase a lot of heart and mind you know what would you want to do first because there are so many different priorities uh, that you have as a as an entrepreneur in your the beginning of a journey for you you do not know which way to go uh, although you may have investors you may have co-founders uh, there are a lot of conflicting ideas uh, constructive ideas uh, there's so many things on the table and i think you do not know which way to go sometimes one looks good than the other and your mind tells something your heart tells something i think the best part about entrepreneurship is is to take that risk <laughs> is, is to take that leap of faith if you are committed to it like by heart you feel no matter what this will work doesn't good look on paper doesn't look good on paper <laughs> doesn't look you know financially feasible you know looks too big to achieve uh, just do it don't get bogged down just don't feel uh, you know i'm one person standing alone so even if you're one person standing alone it's good as long as there's one person standing alone it will survive uh, through you so I think if you have that leap of faith in your heart and just take your heart, just do it. And I think somewhere or other it will pay off. Amazing. Wow. People want to connect with you. How do they reach you? Yeah, they can reach out to me on my personal email. It is sanjay27rao at yahoo.com. I usually do expect maybe a day or so delay. But yeah, you can reach out to me on that personally. Uh, professionally, uh, I can be reached on uh, Info at the rate axionconnect.com. Uh, that's my official email ID where uh, my team will get in touch with you uh, ASAP to uh, see what we can do for you. So these are the two touch points that you can have to reach out to us. Great. Wonderful. I'm sure uh, uh, this conversation can go on and on and uh, there are a uh, lot of uh, golden nuggets which we can get from you. 
but nevertheless it's been wonderful chatting with you and gaining these wonderful insights which holds good for any size of business and any domain of business is my understanding is yes, it yes that's true <laughs> so thank you so much for taking out time and sharing your wonderful journey as well as your amazing amazing learnings in your journey thank you so much savita for having me as well <laughs> I thank Sanjay Rao for sharing his most vulnerable moments in his personal and professional journey from the bottom of my heart. Sanjay's journey teaches us that entrepreneurship can start at a young age and that success comes with hard work and perseverance. His natural selling skills helped him to build a successful business. and he continues to live his dream today of creating employment to more than 100 plus people in mumbai bangalore and uae so guys don't miss out on the exciting opportunity of reaching out to him and learn how you can scale your business to the next level using your existing customer data Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dream 100 Business Show. We at Dream 100 Business Show help business owners in creating an audio profile for their business and thereby a personal brand so that they can reach out to new audiences locally and globally. All you have to do is click on the link in the show notes and join the Telegram group so that you'll be able to connect and interact with other listeners and write to us if you want to get featured as a podcast guest. We are waiting to hear from you. Thank you for being such a wonderful listener. Thank you.